Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, July 31st, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So any big news in our space? I mean, I, I, I guess we've had a lot of people filling out a Flywire, which is great because it's that time of year. Um, but, you know, it's been otherwise, I think, you know, Livewire has been a little quiet. This is the, there, there's really no decisions happening right now. The occasional interview invited a place like Columbia or something. But that's because they have that J term. Yeah, no, it's very, very quiet. That's what we expect this, this, this time of the season, Livewire. So it goes quiet really until decisions start rolling out, which is interview invites, which will be, you know, if you talk about in round one, it might be another month or, yeah. you know, six weeks time or something like that. I mean, things tick along on Livewire, but it, yeah. we won't see a lot of increased activity until um, round one kicks on. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, I think we've been trying to push this, but if you register on clearedmit.com and set up a, a profile, um, you get access to a ton of free stuff now ever since we launched the new website. So you can literally get all that Clear Admit Plus stuff. So the Admissions Academy video series, uh, access to the Livewire data dashboard, which allows you to sort and, and do some really cool stuff with the data that we have on admissions outcomes. Uh, we have a monthly webinar. And actually, Alex, our, is our first monthly webinar going to be, yeah, it's the first Monday of every month. So next Monday. Um, so a week from when people are hearing this episode, right? <laughs> and and we, we're still not quite sure if you're going to be joining me to host no, it. No, I'm going to make I, it. I, I, hope, I'm gonna... I hope. Oh, you are. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, barring some catastrophe, there, there'll be internet. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but that'll be fun because that'll, you know, presumably be a big group. Uh, well, yeah. Hopefully. hopefully. And, and it's actually quite interesting, right? So, so you have... Um, you're going to highlight an article on on ClearAdmit um, from last week about the cost of the app process, right. app application process. And I think, you know, some of the tools that we offer now with ClearAdmit Plus being free should be really useful for candidates in terms of really prepping hard and learning about the process, especially the Admissions Academy video series yeah. um, that we have. And obviously the admissions book, which literally would take two hours to read. Yeah. So that's the cost. Yep. And the value, I think, is, yeah, it'll really set you up for, for, for really a couple of things. One, it'll allow you to really understand the admissions process and what adcom is looking for right and it'll also you know help you think through strategy in terms of how to present yourself best so yeah for a two-hour read fantastic yeah absolutely um the other thing is is that we have one more event this week uh, before our monthly webinar uh, next Monday, which is just a free event where we talk admissions strategy, we have a, a essay-specific event this Wednesday um, where I'm going to sit down with admissions folks from Cornell, UCLA Anderson, uh, U Washington Foster, INSEAD, and London Business School, and I'm going to ask them all about their essay questions and things. And you can sign up for that by going to bit.ly forward slash C-A-M-B-A essay. So please join us for that this Wednesday. It's the final, fourth and final um event in that series that we've been running for the last you know month or so. So um, a lot of fun. We've had such great turnout for those events and I enjoy hosting them. So we'll do one more this week. <laughs> so what I'm going to put you on the spot, Graham. You've hosted a couple of these events as we're recording. You've got yeah. your third event to host tonight. Yeah. But of the couple of events that you've hosted thus far, quizzing the adcom about their essays, 
Um, what one or two insights have you drawn from those conversations? And I, I haven't prepped this question. So <laughs> sorry, Graham. Kick no, on. <laughs> no, I, it's um. So one of the things that's interesting to me is it feels like in so many instances the schools are using the essays to get at stuff that's not on your resume, not on your transcripts, um, and not in your recommendation letters. So that seems to be a general theme. Like they really want to know like who you are, like what's been your lived experience, as you like to say, or yeah. you know, what hurdles have you had to overcome? And I think some of that's maybe being driven by the Supreme Court decision and you know, the allowance that you can learn about people in that dimension if you can't, you know, base decisions around, you know, ethnicity or race and stuff. But it's it's just interesting. And I actually I welcome this because I think it's so much fun to write these essays like tell us 25 random things about you or, you know, share something that's not on your resume. I mean, all these schools have these questions that sort of get at, you know, what else would you want us to know about you to be the most, that'd be sort of more basic one. But so that's been a big theme. Um, and then obviously the schools often talk about authenticity and, you know, the need to kind of tell a story that, um, is really you um, and not, not sort of trying to be something that you think they want you to be. Um, so th those are themes that have kind of, you know, jumped out at me, but yeah, that's, I have, to, I'd have to think about it more since this is off the cuff, but yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm going to follow up though. The, obviously the Supreme court decision is fresh in all adcoms minds and, and, and how they're reacting and responding to that um, decision. Um, what is your sense of, 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 uh, in terms of just the essays, um, have, have many schools adapted their essays as a result of the Supreme Court decision, do you think? Is it a few schools or do you not think they've adapted at all at this stage? Oh, no, there, there are definitely a handful that have made changes that I think are a direct um, you know, result of the Supreme Court. So giving candidates more leeway to talk about these things, you know, in terms of their personal right. background, or as I said, challenges overcome, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, we've seen a number of schools make some of those changes. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of schools had questions like this before. And so they, those schools were able to kind of sit tight, but I would say, yeah, there are definitely a handful of schools that have made changes. So it's sort of in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Yeah. No, very yeah. good. And it is, it gets to this issue of lived experience. Like how far have you come? Um, what's your journey been like, um, yeah. rather than simply looking at the quality of what you're currently doing now? Um, so, so yeah, it's a fascinating time, um, and we'll see see how it all plays out in in this admission cycle. But there's a lot of debate, even on you know platforms like LinkedIn, yes, in terms of what are the consequences of this um, Supreme Court decision. I don't think we know exactly um, how things will play out, so that's quite interesting. Yeah. So then another thing um, that I, I just need to kind of while everyone's tuned in, I wanted to ask for a small favor, which is that. You know, we are running a survey on our website right now. It's our summer survey, and it's about media habits. So if, if, if the idea of answering questions about, like, what are your favorite news outlets, um, a couple of podcasts you enjoy listening to, obviously, aside from, or maybe including the Clear Admit, <laughs> MBA Admissions podcast, um, and just general habits, of like, where do you get your news? What are the channels you tune into, um, social media outlets you use? Then take our survey. It'll take, like, less than five minutes. It's a lot of fun, and it really will help us to kind of convey... Um, key strategies to schools that are looking to reach candidates and stuff. So you can take the survey by just going to bit.ly forward slash CA summer survey. Um, and yeah, again, it won't take you long. And, and we really appreciate folks, you know, pitching in to do that. We try to offer all these free resources to everyone. And in part, what we hope you do in exchange for that is, you know, give us information and 
you know, share your opinions on everything to do with the application process. So take the survey if you can. It'll be up for the next, you know, week or two. Um, so yeah, check it out if you can. So is the Clear Admit Wiretaps podcast um, an option they can select? I, yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah, and ac- actually- we, we should check that, Actually, right? it's a, I think it's a qualitative response where they just get to list, um, you know, a few different podcasts they listen to. Um, so they can oh, write, okay. yeah, so they'll be able to write it in, obviously. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is it's essay season. You know, we're doing these events about the essays. And so we publish for every single school something that we call an ETA or essay topic analysis. Uh, and so as schools release their essay questions, you will find a very thorough um, kind of report on why are they asking this question, how do we think you should approach it, and so on. Um, so you can read those on our site. Um, we just published one for Yale because they've got a kind of new essay um, or set of essays for this year. Um, we also have another really great tool on the website, which is the deadlines calendar for round one. I mean, gosh, there are a ton of schools. It seems like every year they just nudge a little earlier and earlier in the cycle. Um, but, you know, it's I was just looking at the calendar and it's like Cambridge is the 29th of August. Harvard is the 6th of September alongside Wharton. Uh, Duke and Darden have early action rounds that are on the 7th of September. And it just goes from there. I mean, they just start to come fast and furious. So checking out our little deadlines calendar will keep you on track. It's just nice to see them all in one place. And the other thing that we do is we have a little chart that says, has this school released its essays? Is their application live um, online? And not only when is the deadline, but when will you get your decision? So it's a really cool chart. And I think it's, you know, we're taking a lot of the work out of this process for applicants because you can just get it all in one place. Um, so yeah, that that's, yeah. I'll just, I'll just do a quick shout out for Columbia because they are September 13th, their first round deadline. That's right. <laughs> and as we know, this is a new um, admission site uh, sort of set up for Columbia. No more early decision, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Agreed. Yeah. So um, the other thing that I wanted to call everyone's attention to is that we have, um, we've put some good stuff up on the website, in particular, Alex, that article that you referenced where um, it, it can be quite costly to apply to business school. And I'm not talking about opportunity costs. I'm just talking about literally <laughs> application fees, test prep, anything that you're doing to kind of go through this process. And and so we did an article about this and about how, you know, what are the different things that might cost you money and how to sort of reduce that. And we had a great interview um, with a woman named Carrie, who's an avid listener of the podcast and kind of a a clear admit super user. Um, And she is, you know, headed off to business school. And so she actually is the one that approached us and said, do you guys know how much it costs to apply? And here, you know, I think I did a really good job figuring out, you know, how to save money. And, And so she answers questions in this piece that you know, basically can map you from potentially like a $5,000 expenditure on the application process down to like less than a thousand bucks or something. So read this article and you will save some money. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, two other quick things. And then we've got our candidates that you picked, Alex. Um, the first is that we have an admissions director Q&A that we published with um, Debbie Macedonia and Jessica Luntz, who are um, admissions directors over at SMU Cox. And, you know, I've been reading little quotes from these over r- recent weeks. And um, one of the things that we always ask is, tell us about a fun course that you offer. And one of the things I thought was cool is there's a um, strategy course offered over at SMU Cox in venture capital. Um, and it's called the venture 
Venture Capital Practicum. And basically, it provides hands-on venture capital experience, um, applying the skills that, you know, ca- that students have developed in finance or strategy and entrepreneurship courses. And so what students do is they partner with local venture capital firms and meet weekly outside of class to identify, qualify, analyze, and you know, like basically present recommendations um, around prospective investments um, for the Cox MBA Venture Fund, because they have their own venture fund at the school. So I thought that was kind of a cool class that somebody could take if they were interested in VC. Yeah, sounds very slick to me. Yeah. And then the other one we did is we also sat down with Paula um, Amorim, who is the admissions director at ESE um, in Barcelona. And again, you know, kind of asking them about, um, you know, their their classes, but also just for admissions advice. And I thought um, Paula had some really great thoughts on the GMAT and the GRE and kind of the test in general. So here's what she said. She said, though an imperfect tool, we do require either the GMAT or GRE. However, we have a holistic approach and view your score within the context of your larger application. For some, this can be a way to balance out weaknesses in undergrad or show that you have strengths that are not highlighted in your professional background. ESA has applicants from around the world with a wide variety of professional backgrounds. The standardized tests are the one thing everyone has in common. That said, our admissions decisions are not based solely on standardized tests and other qualities of an applicant, like professional excellence, can compensate for weaker test scores. But I just thought this was a really you know, great way for her to frame this, because I do think that the tests can be important and helpful. Um, and, and so it was just interesting to hear her take on that. Yeah, no, really good. And we, we were talking um, on, on another meeting or whatever um, not long ago about test taking and, you know, Obviously, both GMAT and GRE are rolling out new versions of their test. Yeah. And whether candidates will take the, the original version, the new version, and so on and so forth. So there will be a little bit of uncertainty, I think, in, in the marketplace um, this season before we get to a steady state again um, in the following seasons, all taking presumably then the new tests yeah. um, by then. But yeah, we're, I think we're big believers, aren't we, Graham, in... in the role of standardized tests, um, they do level the playing field for everybody. Um, yeah. Obviously, 10, 15, 12, let's say 10, 20 years ago, um, early in my career, there was a lot of whisper about bias mm-hmm. in, 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 in the test, and it was GMAT at the time because GRE wasn't um, really used for, for, for business schools. Um, um, and, and, you know, they've worked really hard to eliminate bias. Yeah, um, agreed. So, so you know, I, I think um, it, it, as, as our, our candidate that wrote the, the cost of <laughs> the, the process, it's there. You're going to have to do it, right? Um, so, so it's going to be a cost at some level. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, I, 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 I think a lot of the schools that I've talked to, and I don't talk to them directly to the extent that you do, but they absolutely respect the quality of what the test um, does for them. I agree. Yeah, I mean, and I think for now, at least, there are enough schools that still require it. Um, you know, yeah. there obviously there are some schools that will waive, but there are enough really high quality schools that require a test that 
it's sort of tricky to, I think you're not doing yourself the best service if you try to navigate this process, you know, by only applying to the handful that have a waiver or something like then you're, you're going to miss out on schools that might yeah. be perfect for you. So in any event, um, we'll leave that there. But uh, I did want to say if anyone has any questions, they can always write to us by writing to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps and Alex or I will get back to you. Um, you can also rate and review this show wherever you're listening. Alex, should we get into this week's um, applicants that you've selected? Let's kick off. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number one. Our first candidate this week, Alex, is applying to six schools and they want to start in the fall of 24. They've got Dartmouth, Duke, Harvard, MIT, Wharton, and Darden on the target list. They've been working in consulting and they want to get into either tech or pharma after business school. They mentioned Pfizer and Amazon as potential target companies. They have a GPA of 3.7, five years of work experience, and they're located in Washington, D.C., would love to land either back in D.C. or in Boston after business school. And I just want to say, Alex, I, you know, I'm not sure why you picked this person out, but I, I want to just mention that they are clearly a genius. I'm going to tell you why, because this is what they said right away in their first comment. They said, I just started listening to your podcast and have found it helpful as I consider crafting my applications. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Therefore, they were selected. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but they're also super smart, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, but anyway, no they they write that they've just um, decided fairly recently that they're going to apply to business school and that they're going to need to apply in round two because they haven't even taken the test and they're going to get to work on taking that GMAT. Um, they took it cold and got a 650, so now they're going to prep. Um, they think they can get up above 710 um, in terms of where they're going to land ultimately with a, an official test. Um, I should also mention that they graduated. Uh, Cum laude uh, from, uh, well, they say, they don't tell us which school, but they say it was either Harvard, Yale, or is that Stanford, I guess? Yeah. So they graduated um, in literature, um, at kind of top of the top of the class type thing. Um, they focused on women in Latin America in terms of their studies. They also, um, you know, did a, a fellowship for a year after they graduated from university. Um, it sounds like in Latin America, um, working for a startup and doing some freelance work. But their main career since then has been in consulting for a small firm, um, and most of that consulting work has been with Fang um, Plus clients. Um, the only issue is that they recently moved to another firm that focuses more on healthcare. Um, they've got lots of outside activities and things, but I'll leave that there. What do you make of this candidacy? Because they don't yet have the test, um, you know. But you know, they're obviously going to apply in round two, and we'll have it by then. And you know, so yeah, what do you make of this candidacy? Yeah, I'll just add to their um, uh, academic record. Um, they they graduated cum laude in literature with a focus on women in Latin America. You said that. I also did significant coursework in economics and statistics. Because without right. that sentence, I would have been like, all right, this mm. person probably should be doing MBA math or yes. HBS core just to round out that aspect of their candidacy, especially if when the GMAT comes in, um, there's a little imbalance there, which you would expect if they only did a liberal um, arts degree without that um, right. type of coursework. But seeing that economics and statistics, I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I can't, I can't put a hole in that. I was like, sort of reading this, thinking, well, where can I pick a hole in this <laughs> overall profile? Because it does look yeah. like um, she's probably a really strong candidate, graduated from a top university with a top degree. 
um, you know, great performance. Looks like their their work experience. They they you know they they completed the fellowship in in a Latin American city, and then you know it looks like their work experience. I'm guessing would be strong. Needs to be backed up, obviously, by strong wrecks. They say they've got a, they'll get a strong wreck from one of their previous um, that previous employer, I should say. So that's good, sort of building continuing those relationships um, and so forth. Um, the one weakness the candidate has sort of self-identified, and I'll bounce this back to you, Graham, is they don't they they feel a bit nervous that their um, community service aspect of their um, profile is on the weaker side. Um, now they they play in a women's sports league. They run five k's and they're taking art classes. Um, do you see this as a potential weakness, Graham? I don't. Um, I, I really don't. I mean, I think that there's sometimes this like misconception out there that, you know, to have a full kind of profile, you have to be, you know, spooning out soup in a soup kitchen or something that's, you know, like a hundred percent sort of volunteer work. Um, and I wouldn't say, I mean, obviously there's nothing wrong with that, that, that doing that kind of work's fantastic. Right. But this person has a very active um, life outside of work. I mean, you just listed off all these things they're doing. I think that's the key. It's just to demonstrate that you're, you know, you're not kind of sitting on the couch kind of thing and that you have some interests and passions. Um, you know, obviously to the extent that if, you know, if she's running 5Ks um, regularly, maybe she's raising some money for good causes or something, because a lot of those races are to raise money. Um, obviously that wouldn't hurt, right? But I, I'm not, I don't think that um, if I were this person, I would focus on just getting my test done and doing really well and then working on my applications. And I think everything will fall in, in line. I'm not worried about the lack of volunteer work specifically. And, and, and they do say they're active in their work community and lead social activities at yeah. CSR and trainings for junior employees. So, so I think having that at work also sort of is, is good. So, so I, I'm, I'm with you, Graham. I'm not concerned about this at all. Yeah. Um, this does seem like genuinely a decent human being who's being very successful at work, has a very strong academic profile. Um, they're currently in the sort of the healthcare domain. So in terms of their goals, I think sort of targeting the healthcare sector, even if it's going, even if it's on the tech side, I think um, that would probably make make sense to sort of show that continuing evolution of their pathway from consulting to a healthcare um, type role, which would make Wharton um, what you know one of their top target programs, and Wharton is listed, so that's very good. They might want to look at Kellogg too um, in that regard. Um, just yeah. So what have they got to do? They got to nail that GMAT by the second round deadline. Yeah. No, no need to apply in the first round. They're not going to be ready for that anyway. So they've got until sort of December time to have nailed the GMAT. So I would take it early enough so, such that they can retake the test if they need to. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think they're going to be um, a really strong candidate. Yeah, agreed. I think um, two things I want to underline. One is this is a female candidate. And so that in of itself is a little bit of an advantage because there are typically fewer women applying. Um, and so this person doesn't have to rush and be in the first round precisely because yeah. of that, I would say. Um, and then second, I think you're right. Like they've moved into healthcare consulting. That's an interesting um, domain. And, and as you point out, like Wharton has that healthcare management program that you can kind of apply to. It's the only major at Wharton that you declare as part of the application process and that can also be 
be a real advantage in terms of getting into Wharton um, because it's a specific thing. Um, obviously, you still do the regular Wharton curriculum, but you get some, you know, some very cool kind of healthcare specific, um, you know, electives and and requirement um, courses with another, you know, with other people in the program who are also interested in that domain. So probably worth exploring. I know that um, she did say, oh, I really would like to not be in an urban environment. That's why Dartmouth and, um, you know, Duke and Darden are on the list, I presume. But um, one thing that's interesting about Wharton is that, you know, it's not the same as some of the other urban environments only because there aren't that many people at Wharton who are from Philadelphia. So you you still have that feel of like a very close-knit community where most everyone is discovering a new place together. Um, Unlike maybe some other big cities where maybe there's a critical mass of candidates who've been there before or, you know, know people in that city, et cetera. So in any event, I encourage her to do her research, get the test done, as you say, leave time to retake if necessary. But I feel like there is a lot to like about this candidacy. Sounds good to me, Graham. Best of luck to, to this, to the candidate. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate her sharing her profile on those kind words about the show. Um, hopefully she's tuned in to get this advice. Uh, let's move on though and talk about Wiretaps candidate number two. So our second candidate this week also has six schools on the target list. Um, those schools are Dartmouth, Harvard, Kellogg, Wharton, Darden, and Yale. And they are applying now to start in the fall of 24. Um, this person has been doing supply chain work at a fast-moving consumer goods and e-commerce company. Uh, they want to get into consulting, and they have you know, all the usual suspects on the list for targets um, after business school. Those include Accenture, uh, Carney, Bain, BCG, Ernst & Young, McKinsey. Uh, They have a 740 on the GMAT and a GPA of 3.76, six years of work experience. And this person is located in the UAE, um, although you had some dialogue with them and learned that they're originally from Pakistan, but have been working in the UAE. Uh, they've had multiple promotions, some international experience, obviously, and you know they've had um, some ECs in college, and then post-college they've been involved in diversity and inclusion initiatives at work, and they've also joined a friend's NGO for a handful of months to set up sponsorship management, and they've had a number of awards at work. So what do you make of this candidacy? Because the numbers are strong, 740, 376. Um, but is this person kind of overrepresented as a kind of, you know, coming from Pakistan? And I, mean, I don't know what the undergraduate degree was in, but maybe something technical like yeah. engineering or computer science or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, from a numbers standpoint, this is outstanding, right? 740 GMAT, 376 GPA, although I'm not sure where that GPA is coming from. If it is coming from India, is it converted to that? That seems a little or Pakistan. precise for a conversion. So from Pakistan, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so, um, and yeah, I would assume it probably is someone with an engineering degree. If you've got a 376 engineering degree, that's really, really um, very, very well done. Um, so, so, so from a number standpoint, everything's very good. Now, from a work experience standpoint, it could also be very good. So they've won multiple awards at work. They've done international experience. Um, so that's um, really good. Um, the only sort of slight um, angst I, I would have is, you know, the difference between front office customer facing type work and, and back office support type work um, and, and where this candidate's sort of um, um, experience lies. And, and maybe I'm, I'm stigmatizing a little bit, but when I think of supply chain, I'm thinking more supporting rather than um, strategizing. And their goal actually post MBA is to get into corporate strategy. 
um, for, for FMCG, which makes perfect, perfect sense. Um, but whatever their sort of type of work experience is, they've obviously done really well at it um, in, in terms of multiple promotions um, and awards. Um, so that should hopefully then really stand them in good stead. I like the fact that they've joined a friend's NGO um, for, for the last four months. I would really push that um, over the next um, few months and, and really sort of um, go all in on that. Um, it's great that they're also involved in diversity, equity and inclusion at work, much like our previous candidate um, and so forth, but, but doing stuff outside of work. We want to know a little bit more about who they are. Maybe they're also a runner. Maybe they do some other stuff they, they haven't mentioned here. Um, so, so that would be good. I guess my main sort of bit of advice would be just really try to target the first round if they can. Um, because unlike our first candidate, they're, they're potentially going to be a little bit overrepresented if they have a technical degree working in supply chain um, from, from um, um, that region of the world. So, so I would say to mitigate that, make sure they're in the first round. Yeah, I could not agree more. Um, and I, you know, you make a really good point that we don't have a full sense of the nature of the work. And so, you know, is it front of the house or more back of the house type stuff? So that would be good to know. But I, I think, you know, as you initially stated, the numbers are fantastic. This person should be yeah. competitive at top programs. But I agree, apply, apply in the first round because, I mean, they already have the numbers, the GMAT's out of the way, unlike our first candidate, you know, so they have no real reason not to just get their act in gear and apply. Um, that'll help yeah. them to stand out, I think, because there'll be, you know, more spots available at this juncture than, you know, down in round two and stuff. So, um, and, and just on top of that, don't just pick the, so they've got six target programs listed, right? So yeah. they've got Harvard, then they've got Wharton and Kellogg, mm -hmm. um, and then they've got Yale and Tuck and Darden, right? So, uh, uh, you know, they've got M7 um, represented, top 16, top 10, top 16 represented. Right. Um, don't just apply to the M7 in round one and think, well, I'll just apply to the others <laughs> no. in round two if I, if I yeah. need to, yeah. because then they go down this slippery slope that they might be overrepresented. They don't make it in round one with their their, their reach schools, so they target their their um, you know target schools in round two. Mm. They're overrepresented. They miss out on that. They end up on a boatload of wait lists, and nothing yields. And we see this time and time again. Yeah, I totally agree. So hopefully they can get it all together um, in time for <laughs> these uh, fast approaching round one deadlines. And, but yeah, again, I feel like this person will land at one of these programs. I have a high level of confidence in stating that, but I, but it's going to, you know, require, um, round one apps and, and a good effort on the yeah. applications. Right. So, um, but they have the ingredients, they should get in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and their numbers are outstanding. Yeah. So, so that's a great starting point, but it is only a starting point. Exactly. Yeah, they got to, you know, they have the ingredients, they got to make the recipe, as we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I want to thank them for their post. Uh, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this candidate um, is only looking at two schools, and those schools are Georgetown McDonough and Yale SOM. And they also want to start in the fall of 24, so they're actively applying. Um, this person's title or kind of current work is... Air Force Cyber Warfare Officer. Um, so talk about a cool title. Um, <laughs> that's a really interesting one. And then after business school, they're targeting consulting 
or potentially investment banking, or potentially technology. So they have, you're kind of all over the map, and as a result, their target companies are Bain, Booz Allen, BCG, Deloitte, but also Goldman, JP Morgan, Google, Microsoft. So a lot of uncertainty there. Uh, the GPA is a 3.9. They have seven years of work experience. They're located in the Midwest, and they want to land on the East Coast after business school. Um, the Potential Achilles heel here right now is that they have a 319 on the GRE, so a little bit below average. I mean, I guess it's actually right around the average at Georgetown. It's going to be below the average at Yale by a significant margin. Um, they mentioned that they enlisted Army as a, I guess, as a psychological operations specialist. Um, they got a BS in IT from a state school and then an, an MS in computer science from a top 15 school. And in both cases, you know, that 3.9 from undergrad and they also have a 3.8, I guess, in their um, master's degree. Um, they were then commissioned into the Air Force as an offensive cyber warfare officer. Um, and so they've had some really interesting work experience. They mentioned their GRE is a bit low as they had a five day turnaround years ago when they took it. Um, and they're hoping that um, you know, they that the, the quant was a 156. They're, they're wondering if that their math-centric degrees will show competency in that yeah. area. <laughs> they're looking to get out of tech and move more towards finance consulting or banking. But I so anyway, yeah. Let's stop there. What what do you make of this candidacy? Because really interesting. Please retake the GRE. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, sure. Your work experience will say that you're smart as a tech. Fantastic. Your your GPAs tell us that story too. So why submit a test score that's significantly below their best effort? Um, so, you know, they, they openly admitted they spent five days prepping for this GRE several years ago, right? Yeah. Um, so if I'm in an adcom and I see, all right, 319 GRE, 2019, they took it or whatever, I'm thinking, all right, you just don't care about this admissions process. Right, because they would have had plenty of time to, to retake. Yeah. yeah, and the other thing I want to mention is that this could impact their any scholarship awards too. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, they, I mean, when, when i reviewing candidates, right, so I would look at the data forms first before I start reading the quality of the essays and various other things. So, so yeah, I'm already biased when I'm reading about the rest of this candidate's stuff because I'm just annoyed that they didn't have the wherewithal to retake this test. So, um, so, so you know, everything else that they describe sounds, well, the, I, I'll talk about the goals in a minute, but everything else that they've done, i.e. they're the Air Force Cyber Warfare Officer, they're a captain or whatever, I mean, it sounds like a, sounds like a war game yeah. type scenario. <laughs> well, whatever it is, it just sounds super, super interesting. They've got a 3.9 master's comp sci from a top 15 program. I mean, they're wicked smart. They, they, they've got it all going for them, right? So don't trip up because you couldn't be bothered to retake the GRE. Now, um, their application strategy is essentially apply to Georgetown in round one with what they've got. If not successful, apply to Yale in, they say round three, but I'd say make sure it's January round, whether that's round three or two, I don't know. But apply to Yale with a new GRE, right? Yeah. So that's their current thinking, right? I'm like, scrap applying to Georgetown in round one, apply to both Yale and Georgetown with that new GRE score. Uh, it doesn't matter, if, again, for this candidate, whether they're in that round one or round two, 
Um, they're not going to be overrepresented. Their work experience sounds fascinating. It's very topical. I mean, we we need people that understand cyber warfare. I mean, it's it's crazy. So so they're going to be really sought after. But f- fix this GRE. Um, if if they were coming at us with a three twenty five three twenty eight GRE with the rest of their profile, I'd be like, all right, Harvard Stanford Wharton makes sense. And then a couple of other M7, and then maybe a top 16 to cover them up. Yeah. Um, but with this 319, they're, they're, they're running the risk that they're not optimizing their opportunity, is my point. Yeah. Um, so please sort that out. And then finally, just sort out the goal. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say you're looking potentially at X, Y, and Z. Give us a realistic pathway that makes sense for your profile. Now, when you get into business school, yeah. You're going to be get access to a lot of other opportunities, and you might change your your pathway. But if you thought long and hard about a pathway, then any change that you make will be very deliberate, right? So that's why we like to have a good goal focus. So um, you know, trying to recruit for, for consulting and banking in your first, yeah, it's, it would be a nightmare anyway. So so sort that out, sort the GRE out, and if you only, still only want to apply to Georgetown and Yale, that's perfectly fine. But there would be opportunities at some other programs too, I would think. Yeah, and they are. They did mention they're geographically constrained, um, and I'm not exactly yeah. sure what how those two markets are the two. But there's got to be a reason, you know, family, et cetera, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they're two great programs. I'm not dismissing yeah. them, but but make, you know the other thing that we didn't mention. You you talked to me about um, earlier, or maybe we did mention, but yeah, scholarship dollars. Yeah, that GRE said, yeah. of three nineteen is not going to yield them a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, and so that that's the main thing for me is um, so first of all for me when I see a candidate who says yeah I want to do consulting banking or tech that's a red flag right so if I'm a yeah. reader I'm saying oh my god the career services team is going to really hate me if I admit this candidate because this person doesn't know what they really want to do so they need to sort that as you say um, and yeah I would say like yeah they're not overrepresented so sit back go go and. And, and just focus on the GRE, take a class, whatever you need to do, spend the next month or six weeks working on that, take the test, apply in round two to both Georgetown and McDonough, uh, sorry, both Georgetown and Yale. And and then, yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll probably get into both and they may get money at both, especially if they can get yeah. that GRE up a little bit into the range of, you know, Yale's average and, and then it'll be an above average score at McDonough and, and the dollars will probably follow, right? So, yeah. In any event, it's a, it's an interesting um, case, and I presume that's why you picked it. I mean, this person clearly is a great, I mean, amazing work experience, lots to share, super competitive candidate, but they have this one like sort of Achilles heel, and, and it's, yeah. it's something they could address too. So I would I would yeah. do that. And they're very smart, yeah. so it, sh- it shouldn't be much to prep well and 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 improve that score. Yeah, totally. Um, so Alex, thanks for. Um, so we want to thank them for submitting this profile, um, so we could review it. Hopefully, they're listening, getting this advice, etc. Um, but Alex, thanks for picking out all these candidates. As always, um, some interesting things to discuss this week. And yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. And then again, everyone, remember that next Monday will be the first monthly webinar since we've made ClearAdmit Plus free to all. So we'll probably have a nice. I'm hoping we'll have a nice gathering for that. We'll see how it goes. Um, Um, But yeah, I'll see you next week, Alex. Brilliant. Best luck, everyone, and stay safe.